you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look in verse 58. And this is going to bring our series in 1 Corinthians to an end. Uh, this will this will conclude our series. And today we're going to just talk for a few minutes about choosing victory over division. Choosing victory over division. I thinking about this message and thinking about man I should have talked with brother Ronald this week and I get here and and we hear these songs that was chosen. I just believe God's in it. And I believe these songs will relate to this message today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 is the long verse that we will read today. While you're turning there, in the in year 490, the Persian army was seeking to invade Greece. They landed 26, out, 26 miles outside of Athens. And this huge army... When they landed their warships, they gathered on the plains of a place called Marathon. They were prepared to attack the Greek army and establish their presence in Europe. The Greeks were outnumbered four to one, but they launched a surprise offense against the Persians. This offense that they launched against the Persians resulted in 6,400 Persians dying in this battle where only 192 Greek soldiers died in the battle. The surviving Persians retreated and they headed south to Athens where they hoped to attack the city before the Greek army could reassemble themselves and get back to get back to Athens. In the mind of the Persians, there was no way that the Greeks would get word to Athens that they had won this battle. And likely those in Athens would just surrender to the Persians. However, there was this young messenger who was called to run that distance of 26 miles to Athens. He was to carry the good news of victory and he was to warn those in Athens about the approaching Persian ships. He was already tired from leaving Athens to go to the battlefield and he had spent his time in battle with all the armor that he had to carry. But still he was committed. He was consistent in his call. And he pressed forward to run back to Athens, 26 miles. He defied all human endurance for in 26 miles, he made it in three hours. When he got to Athens, he, he reached the leaders and he cried to them, rejoice, we conquer. And then out of exhaustion, he died. Hearing the news, those in Athens, they held on until the army arrived and the battle was won. Their enemy, the Persians, were defeated. You know, when we look in 1 Corinthians, we hear Paul in verse 58. It seems he is 
sharing something very similar to us. It appears he is encouraging us to continue to move forward for we have trusted, we who have trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've already won the victory. Well, isn't that exciting to know that we already have the victory? Our enemy, our last enemy has already been defeated. Well, we have something to rejoice about today. In the midst of everything that's going on in this world, we've got reason to rejoice. In the midst of the suffering, we've got reason to rejoice. In the midst of the trials, we've got reason to rejoice. In the midst of grief, we've got reason to rejoice because we have victory right now over our last enemy. You know, we can choose victory over division. When we look here in this passage, the Bible tells us in this verse, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, what encouraging words we find in God's holy word. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that that you would be pleased with the meditation of our hearts. And God, that the words that would come out of our mouths, that it would be pleasing unto you. God, that you would take these broken words and fix and form, fashion them in the hearts of each one that is here. God, you move and you minister and we'll praise you for all that's accomplished. And if there's one here who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, God, that he, the Holy Spirit, would sit down with him or her. And and God, convict their hearts. Speak to them. Let them know just how much you love them. For you love them so much that you sent your only begotten son to come to this world so that they could have eternal life. Now, God, we pray as you move and minister that you're glorified, that your son's magnified, and that your people will be edified. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. You know, throughout this series in in 1 Corinthians, we've spent a lot of time talking about the reality of division. There was much division going on in the church in Corinth. And and with all that they were faced with, we seem to spend a lot of time, to have spent a lot of time on issues such as pertaining to pastors. You remember four months or four chapters. Let me say that four chapters we spent talking about the division in this church over pastors. Uh, They were divided over immorality. They were divided over sexual immorality. They were divided over lawsuits, marriage and divorce. There were divisions about Christian liberty and and spiritual gifts and the resurrection and, and divisions about Christian giving. Now, this series hasn't been an exhaustive exposition of each verse of this book. There's been, per, there's been reason for that. But it's been more or less an exposition of each divisive issue. It's taken us 22 messages to cover these issues of division. Today will be our 23rd. And, and it, it's going to end, <laughs> it's going to end us being in 1 Corinthians for a little while. I don't know where God's sending me next week. Well, I, I'll give you a hint. Uh, we, I, I've got, I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper next week. 
I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about that because we're going to have the Lord's Supper next week. So come prepared for the Lord's Supper next week. It is our fifth Sunday of the month, and we will spend time on the Lord's Supper. However, throughout these messages, what we've seen is the reality of division within church. But we've also seen there is a remedy to division. And because there's a remedy to division, we don't need to walk around discouraged. We don't need to walk around defeated. Instead, we can know that we have victory. Doesn't that set you on fire? Just knowing we have victory. We don't have to worry about all that Satan's going to throw at us. We have victory. But we need to be aware. We need to make sure we are aware there is a reality of a spirit of division. We know this because before the gar- in the Garden of Eden, division was around. According to Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 15, Satan thought that he would exalt himself to be like God. His lust and his pride got the better of him, and, and he thought he would be like the Most High. From there, he was cast down to the lowest depths of the, of the pit. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 12, I think it is, uh, that we find that it helps us to see how Satan even divided the angels that were in heaven. In verse 4, it says his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. In verse 9, the Bible says that so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world that he was cast to the earth and the angels were his angels were cast out with him he started dividing things even before he came to earth even before the garden was created and you know it wasn't enough of what he did while in heaven we know that there was an that god spoke the world into existence and everything was perfect he created man from the dust of the ground he created woman from the rib of man and this was a beautiful thing there was harmony between God and his creation there was harmony between God's creation and man and there was harmony between God and man the Bible tells us that he would come down in the cool of the day to walk and to talk with Adam but but Satan got in the midst of things he deceived the woman and Adam the man he disobeyed God and through his disobedience sin came into the world and harmony between God and man and harmony between man and God and God's creation has been divided ever since. Folks, throughout the ages, there has been division between man and division between man and God. So God in his infinite love for us and his desire to have an intimate relationship with us, he, through the power of the Holy Spirit, sent his son to be born of a woman, to live a sinless life in fulfilling the holy scriptures of God. And he had, because of, of the pride of the religious leaders, he was arrested. He was illegally tried. He was beaten. He was given a cross to carry up Galgotha's hill. He was nailed to the cross, suspended between heaven and earth and there on that cross he cried out it is finished he shed his blood so that we could be forgiven of our sins he died on the cross he was buried in a barn tomb but God on the third day God raised him out of the tomb conquered death hell and the grave provided for us victory over our last enemy so now if we come to God on his terms 
You know, the sad thing is people want to come to God on their own terms. But we must come on his terms. And if we acknowledge that we are lost in need of a Savior, if we believe God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, is the Savior of the world, and if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And And if we're willing... To confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, surrendering our lives to him, then we will be made right with God. I want to remind us, I've said this before, we can't get right with God. He has to make us right with him. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. And then we will have a right relationship with God. And others will know that we love the Lord because we'll love one another. Unfortunately, though we belong to Christ, those of us who've been born again, Satan is a real enemy. He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. And for those of us who are born again, those of us who have by grace through faith have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Satan's out to destroy our witness. He's out to destroy our fellowship with one another and with God. So the question is, how does he do this? He does this through division. Someone said the word division means to rip or to tear. The Christians in the church in Corinth were tearing the church apart. They were allowing the spirit of division to rip out the heart and the life of the changing power of the church. Folks, as a church, we can see Satan's doing all he can to divide us. Any blind man can see it. In the past two years, our nation, not only our nation, have they been divided over our country's election, but our churches have been divided over our country's election. Not only has our country been divided over race, But our churches are divided over race. And now our country is divided over a vaccine. And you know what? So are our churches divided over a vaccine. And I want to put us on notice. None of that is worth being divided over. The only thing worth being divided over is if you don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is the truth of God. None of this other stuff. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't, don't. But we don't need to be divided over that. If, you want, if you've got the vaccine, great. I encourage you to get it. But if you don't want to get it, that's fine too. We can't be divided over that. Let the world fight over that. But we don't need to be on social media. We don't need to be in each other's face. We don't need to be in the church divided over stuff that has no eternal value. And neither does any other church. We are to be a witness for our Lord. Satan's doing all he can to destroy our witness and our fellowship with each other and with our Lord. You know, I've come to this. We may not always see things eye to eye. We may not, but that doesn't change that God loves us. 
and we're called to love one another. I love you. Part of the reason I'm wearing my mask now is those numbers have gone up. And the other part, I don't want you to smell my bad breath. (laughs) But you can see I'm struggling just after wearing that mask for a few minutes. But I know this, I love you too much. I love you too much not to do my part in being protected. Now that, that's, I, I live with my consequences. You live with yours. And whatever allows you to sleep well at night, that's great. As long as we can agree Jesus is the only way to heaven. We can believe that the resurrection took place. He's coming back to receive us. And we're going to be with him. Those who know him as Lord and Savior. If we can agree that there's no other way to God but Jesus. We can be fine with anything else. Instead of us allowing the spirit of division to tear us apart. Let's focus on the victory that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how do we remedy this spirit of division? How do we keep it from tearing us apart? Well, we are to be committed. Look there in verse 58. 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and immovable. Man, when we look, think about that, we have to understand that to be steadfast and immovable, you've got to be committed If you're not committed to anything, you're not going to stand fast and you're not going to be immovable. Here, Paul encourages every believer to be steadfast and immovable. To be steadfast is to be fixed, to be determined, to be faithful. And as believers of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are to stand fast. We are to be fixed. We are to be determined that we're going to be faithful to look to the Lord and not to the cares of this world. To be immovable, it is, it gives the idea of being unyielding or uncompromising. We are not to be tossed around by everything that the world throws at us. James 1 and 8 says, it teaches us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And because we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, we can't allow the world's spirit of division to tear us apart. Instead, we look to the Lord and we remain committed to his work. Because he's called us to his work. But we find we're not just to remain committed. We're to remain consistent. If we continue in the verse, it says always abounding in the work of the Lord. When we think about that, Paul encourages every every genuine believer to abound in the work of the Lord. It means to labor in the work of the Lord. And Paul adds in there to always labor, to always abound in the work. He's saying that we're not to ever quit. We don't have the privilege to retire on the Lord. You can retire from the state. You can retire from a school system. You can retire from from a university. You can retire from a plan. You can retire from a lot of things, but we can't retire on the Lord. I never understood that. 
I thought that there'd come a time when we needed to just move aside. But you know what I watched? I watched my dad on his dying bed. I watched as he told his nephews that if they wanted to see him, they needed to get straight with the Lord. I heard him witness more as he was dying in that last week of his life than I did any other time in my life. And so that let me know that God wasn't finished until he took his breath out of him. And as long as we got breath in our bodies, we can witness for the Lord. We don't have the privilege to retire of that. We are to remain consistent. We are to give all that we have for as long as we can. And we can't settle for mediocrity. We must be consistent to seek to do our very best for the Lord. And you've heard me say time and time again, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. If it's not worth doing well, then it's not worth doing. I don't have a problem just shutting down programs. I don't have a problem shutting down things if we're not wanting to do it well. Maybe it's played its course. Maybe it's no longer effective. But whatever we commit to do, we need to be committed to give it our all or not commit at all to it. The Bible tells us not to make a vow to God if we don't intend to keep it. We are to be consistent. We are to be committed. But not only that, we are to be confident. (laughs) Here in this last phrase, Paul says, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Man, just just get that. Therefore, my beloved brethren, in other words, you genuine believers, be steadfast and immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We can be confident in our victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because with ministry, we're going to find ourselves uncomfortable. Ministry takes energy. Ministry takes strength. And in our flesh, we get tired. We get weak and we get weary. In our flesh, we get discouraged. In our flesh, we, we, we may feel defeated. But we continue to move forward with confidence because we know... That the energy and the strength that we use, it's not wasted energy. It's not wasted strength. Our labor that we put forth, it's not wasted labor. Instead, it goes noticed. It's nothing that we do for the Lord that ever goes unnoticed. He notices everything that we do for him. So it's not going to be in vain. The apostle Paul was a man who truly understood being committed, being consistent, and being confident in the work of the Lord. On his first missionary journey, he was stoned and dragged out of the city and left for dead. But he got up and he went back to the city. On his second missionary journey, he was beaten and thrown into prison. But when midnight came, he sang praises to God. On his third missionary journey, he was told by the prophet Agabus that he would that he would be bound in Jerusalem and be turned over to the Gentiles. And upon hearing this from the prophet, Paul declared in Acts 21 and 13, he says, What do you mean weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of our 
our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was committed. Paul was consistent. And Paul was confident in who he was. Why was that? Because when Paul went to Rome, he was bound to soldiers and under house arrest. And still he took every opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only can we assume that he shared the gospel with those soldiers he was bound to, but I'm pretty sure he shared the gospel with anybody who came and visited him. But not only that, he wrote he wrote letters to, to the church in Colossus, to the church in Philippi, and the church in Ephesus. And it wasn't just those three churches he wrote a letter to. While in prison, while chained to guard, he wrote a letter to Philemon also, letting them know how to live according to Jesus and his precepts. Here, we can't call into doubt that Paul was steadfast and immovable. We can't call into doubt that he was always abounding in the work of the Lord. We can't call into doubt that his labor was in vain because we have his labor right before us. We get to read it. We get to study it. We get to preach about it and teach about it. We get to be encouraged by it. We get instructions from it. We get to apply it to our lives. We get to use it in this sin-cursed world. It lets us know that it's not in vain. It's all the work of the Lord. And it, go, it does go noticed. Why was he so consistent? Why was he so committed and so confident? To die for the Lord because he wasn't ashamed of the gospel he knew that the gospel was the power of God for salvation and because Paul believed the gospel he believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and because Jesus rose from the grave death our last enemy has been swallowed up in victory for the believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior death no longer has a sting upon us the grave no longer has victory over us and one day we're going to shed this robe of flesh this corruptible this corruptible that we have on this mortal body that we're living in is going to be change in the moment and in the twinkling of an eye and when it is changed this corruptible is going to put on incorruptible and this mortality is going to put on immortality not because of our goodness not because of our worst but because we have victory in Jesus Christ Folks, we have too too great a victory to allow a spirit of division to tear us apart So I would encourage us, let's put our focus on Jesus Christ. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. So let's look to him and remain committed. We're starting a new year (laughs) in just a couple weeks. We're starting a new church year. We settled that yesterday. For those that were here, we settled the budget. We know what we can spend next year. We settled the workers, officers, and teachers. We know who's working and who we, and who's going to be the ones who are, who are including others to help come alongside them and work. We had 200 people at this church before COVID hit. I want before the end of the year, 200 people are involved in everything that we're doing at this church. And all the work that's got to be done, I'm sure we need more than 200 people. So let's get out and invite more to the house of the Lord. Let's be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because we know that our labor is not in vain. In Christ Jesus. 
we look to him, we remain committed, consistent, and confident in the victory that he has given us. I'm not, anyone who knows me knows this. I'm not committed. I'm not consistent. And I'm definitely not confident in myself. But I am committed. I'm doing my best to be consistent. And I'm confident in our Lord Jesus Christ. He's shown me too much for me not to trust him. I don't trust me. I'll give you a secret. I don't trust you. But I trust what Jesus can do through you. And I'm trusting what he's going to do through me. Unsaved, you don't have to, you, you don't have to stay away. <laughs> you don't have to avoid us. You can share in this victory. We, this body of believers, and I'd go as far as to say any genuine born-again believer would rejoice in knowing that you decided it was time for you to choose victory over division. You know, I don't want to be divided from you. But if you die lost, we're going to be divided for all eternity. I'd rather you choose victory so we can be together for all eternity. So my question for you is, are you ready today to be victorious? If you believe Jesus is the very son of God. If you believe that he, he died for your sins, that he was buried, and on the third day he arose. If you believe he conquered death, hell, and the grave, if you believe that he would forgive you of your sins, if you call upon his name, and if you are ready to surrender your life to him, Confess your sins to him and confess him as your Lord and Savior. You can have victory before you leave this place today. And that choice is up to you. If I could make you, yeah, I would. If I could force you to serve him, I would. But you wouldn't love him if I forced you. It's got to be revealed to you that God so loved you that he sent his only begotten son. So that if you would believe upon him, then you could have eternal life. If you do, you can have victory today. And this is a victory that death cannot take away from you. It's a victory that Satan cannot rob you of. It's a victory that the world can't give and the world can't take away. It's a victory that comes through a, through the saving knowledge of Jesus. So my question to you today, are you ready? 
Are you ready to be victorious over your last enemy? Well, preacher, I don't know what enemy I have now. I said, your last enemy is death. Because death brings about separation from God. It doesn't matter what other enemies you have. If you conquer death, you've conquered the enemy that matters. And it only can be conquered through Jesus Christ. You can only have victory over death through Jesus. Would you today begin to sing this song of invitation? Is today the day that you want to have victory? Not only in this world, but in the world to come. The choice is yours.